that you're born an Italian If you want your life to be great See that you're born an Italiano And your life will be great From the moment you're a small bambino You eat pizza, you drink vino Then they make you roly-poly You get stuffed with ravioli If your mama's a paisano You will have the world on a plate So see that you're born in Italiano And your life will be great Hey there, Paisani. Welcome back to another episode of the Italian American Podcast. I'm John Viola, and we are recording this episode on a very special day. It is March 17th, which makes it St. Patrick's Day for all of our Irish friends. But most importantly, here at the Italian American Podcast, it is the opportunity to wish a very buon onomastico to our very own, the notorious POB, Patrick O'Boyle, a good son of the sod, a Neapolitan Irishman, if there ever was one. Ah, uh, sure no, Coming out now here on your show, John. Thank you very much. <laughs> Taking me out here. Coming out. Your Italian program starts grand. So it's <laughs> to be listening here. Well, uh, happy name day, Pat. Uh, Ro and I are... Hold on, hold on. I got to say this. The Neapolitans don't have a happy birthday song, but they do have a happy on a monster song. Do you know it? Yeah, Gino Maringo is saying it. The Neapolitan word for onomastico is nom, with two M's. Bon and nom. Wow. I never heard that. You should play it for me. Yeah, send me that, and uh, we'll play it on the end. Bon onomastico, mate. <laughs> yeah, happy name day. We can begin uh, with well wishes. And, Ro, you are really the designer of uh, this week's episode. So I'm going to turn it right over to you and let you kind of take the moderator's chair. Uh, I know you and Stephanie helped arrange our guest today, which we're really looking forward to. I think it's a really great topic and one that's got a lot of different routes for us to take. So why don't you take it away, Ro? Okay, guys. So here's the deal. I've met Federica, our guest that you're going to be listening to today, uh, a few years ago now. I mean, it seems like this blur before pre-COVID, but back when we used to like leave the house and stuff, I went to this really awesome play because the theater company that she's a part of was doing a really special performance in beautiful scenic Staten Island. And I really feel bad because I don't feel like their production got the exposure it deserved. I don't think that it got the set design it deserved. I don't think that it got anything it deserved because basically this team of really incredible gifted actors came all the way from Body Vecchia, where they have their own theater company, their own performing group, and they performed a play called Un Barese a New York, which was tremendous. I don't think I laughed so hard in years. It was a play, a little bit in Italian, but a lot of it in Barese dialect. And as you guys well know... Barese language, stop, stop. The Barese language, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Fede, just something you should know. When we say something is a dialect, because secondo lui, these are regional languages, and he's correct. Molays, hold on, I'm going to give you one lesson. Molays is a dialect of Barese, but Barese is the language. Yeah, okay. So in the Barese language, I'm sorry, they performed this entire play basically in the Barese language. It was phenomenal. Fede was a cast member. And she actually performed a lot in English, which was really funny. But 
I got to know her after we went out to dinner after the production and she's actually studied in London. She's been studying acting and theater her entire life, basically. And she is somebody that is really committed to telling the story of body and in particular body vacuum, which is kind of its own subculture. And since I, I feel like I found so much like synergy between us because I'm very like Brooklyn, you know, like you can live in New York, but I'm from like this Italian enclave of Bensonhurst, Brooklyn, this Molese American enclave in Brooklyn that not a lot of people understand that it's such a different subculture. So I think her, her point of view on Pugliese is really interesting. And I just want to welcome her to the podcast. I know that was insanely long, but I just had so much to say. Fede, welcome to the Italian American podcast. Benvenuta. Thank you so much for your introduction, Rosella. And I just want to say that I have a very vivid memory of our first conversation in New York. And the funny thing is that we were talking about the same topic that we are committed to face up to today. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's because it's, it's something that I think we're both passionate about and it hasn't gotten much better since we talked about it. So... <laughs> Yeah, unfortunately, that's the thing. <laughs> here's the thing. Now that you guys know who Fede is, here's why we're here. So a few weeks ago, this soap opera kind of premiered on Rye. So it was called Lindagini di Lolita Lobusco, which is kind of like an SVU kind of thing set in Body Vecchia. And it caused like a big stir in the Pugliese community. And let me tell you why. Because it was one of those things that the Pugliese felt really did not portray us in a, in a very good light. It had a lot of really silly tropes in it. Virtually none of the actors were from Puglia. The lead actress was actually Neapolitan, and she was also the wife of the producer. So everyone had a problem with this. Wow, where could this happen but in Italy? Right, exactly. We're all shocked, I know. But someone like Fede has such a special point of view on this because, you know, she spent her entire life acting. And I know how it feels because I used to be an actress as well. And it's like they came to, to your neighborhood and made a movie about it and didn't use anyone from there and really got all the accents wrong and the language wrong and the tropes wrong. And Fede, I, I'd like you to explain a little bit about why that was such a big deal to you. Yeah, in my opinion, Lolita Lobosco has two main problems. One is the language. And you know what? I'm not talking from an actress point of view because I was raised in Barivecchia and also my parents are educators in the old city. So I am a person that is personally involved in uh, all the Barivecchia background. So this hit me very personally that's before than an, an actress you know speaking and the the first one is the language the second problem is the stereotype so the image that it gives back to the the audience the fact is that if you go to a hospital or in a police station in bari you won't hear uh, people talking like that because we have um, professionals that uh, are well-educated people and can talk Italian 
And moreover, that dialect is not our dialect. And I think that if you want to study and represent a culture, you should leave uh, the territory, you should search and make researches and talk to people and try to do it at your best. And this is not the case of Lolita, starting from the language and the dialect. So I just want to stop you there because I, I just want to make it clear. I did not watch Lolita Labusco. I tried to watch Lolita Labusco, but I did not have a VPN. Rye wouldn't let me in. I was a little, you know, I really wanted to see what this was and why everybody was so up in arms about it. But I did see the trailer for Lolita Labusco. And what I can say is that I think they tried to do a good thing and they executed it very poorly. And here's why. I think they tried to make this really powerful woman-centric show where this like, you know, kind of sexy woman is this lead detective and uh she's from like a very traditional background lives up north but then she comes back down to body to like live and she notices how different things are and she tries to really be like this like badass detective chick but like i think in the first two minutes of this trailer someone steals her car and I, I know Feda has a huge problem with this in and of itself but someone steals her car and the first thing she says is like she screams like manaja. She's trying to say manaja. And in our, in like, you know, barese, it would sound very different, but she said like manegya. They got the regional language wrong. They chose to use the regional language. They used the wrong regional language because it wasn't even correct. And in those situations, most people don't use the regional language. They can speak Italian. Can I just jump in a minute? Federico, you're just as bad. Because what's the comment that you make? Oh, well, they're educated. They can speak Italian. Because they spoke the regional language, oh, they're not educated. It's the same beaten down mentality that uh, we're educated so we don't speak our regional language. So right then and there, you're feeding into their mentality. Even if the Bades was correct, you would have said, well, are you, and which is true, you're not going to go into a police station and hear Bades. And isn't that a shame? If you go to a police station in, in Barcelona, you're going to hear Catalan. And everybody's proud of that. Uh, I know the, um, the Barcelona uh, situation, and this is not what I was meant to say. What I was meaning is that Barese people can talk both dialect and Italian, okay? Correct. Because I think that a person should speak both. That is different from say that I speak a dialect and I'm proudly speaking dialect, but I can also speak Italian, so I can switch the language based on the situation that I'm facing, that is very different. If you say that a person can manage two languages or even more and use it in a correct way, that is not a bad thing. But if you make people talk in every situation, dialect and a bad dialect, a dialect that is not the Barisic dialect, that is a problem. Federica, let me ask you a question. You as an actress have been reacting to this publicly on social media. I know other actors and actresses or just professionals and, and people in general in the South in particular have reacted to this. What's the general consensus around Italy? What's the feeling in the public to this show, to this issue? Are people joining into this um, movement? How are people responding to this? You know, the public was very divided 
because we have a lot of artists and but also normal people that just was very upset about how our territory was represented and i think more about the dialect but if we're talking about the actor system that is something that is very frustrating because many times we have a lot of production of movie or tv series and so on they come to puglia or bari and they use our beautiful nature and city but they don't give a chance to artists of puglia of bari that are locals so they can just you know give something more to the story but they don't give a chance to the local artists and that is a thing that I think it's also a big problem. Yeah, it's always been interesting to me because even in U.S. films, you know, I think back to when Ron Howard made The Da Vinci Code in Rome, and sure enough, all of the Italian roles were essentially recast by non-Italian actors. And, you know, the feminine protagonist who was Italian in the novel ended up being, uh, I think, Israeli. In many, many cases, we see this. We see this here in the United States in movies that are either about Italians or Italian-Americans. They're often cast with different ethnicities. And it's an issue that I think goes into the point of a stereotypical expectation. So if you can play to the stereotype, you're better for the role in the mind of these producers than someone who's authentic to either the place in Italy or even Italian-America. And it's really a frustrating thing because there's a lot of great Italian-American actors who talk about getting cast in stereotypical roles and roles that are either around the mafia or, you know, these sort of um, kind of left behind provincial cafone roles. And they get a lot of grief from the Italian American community for taking them. But at the end of the day, they're working people who need to get a paycheck and they're not getting cast for other roles, even ones that are supposed to be Italian. So it's an issue that we face a lot here. Um, and I'm sure the same in Italy. So I'd like to pose a question, a strange question to all of you. Imagine that the movie, what's a, a movie that we love, a movie like Goodfellas. Imagine a movie like Goodfellas had the exact same performances and imagine that none of those actors were from Italian descent. Imagine Martin Scorsese didn't direct it. Imagine a different director directed it. But it, the, the end result was exactly the same. Would we still feel the same way about a film like Goodfellas? Well, look at Moonstruck which we talk about on here a lot, you know? Yes, but that had some Italian-Americans in it. What if it was literally 0% Italian-American? Well, I mean, there's it's a great argument that people have said that Olympia Dukakis did not play an Italian mother. I think that there's, that there's a good argument for that. I mean, I'll, I'll put the best one. Look at the Golden Girls. You know, Dorothy and Sophia are portrayed on the Golden Girls as being two Sicilians from New York. But the woman who portrayed Sophia argue with the producers that they should be Jews because she was Jewish from New York and she felt that she could do Jewish much better. So I think they come off, especially the character of Dorothy does not come off as an Italian. They come off as Jewish from New York because, you know, it's, it's kind of, it's in you. It's, you know, is Sonny and the Godfather, you know, um, Khan was Jewish. Was, was Sonny and the Godfather, did he come off as Italian as everybody else? It's an open question. I mean, the thing with the one thing with Sopranos was, I mean, everybody on that show, you know, basically the the ending in the vow, except for except for Tony's two kids. So Federica, if Lolita Labosco was exactly the same, but all the actors were from body, would you still feel 
the same way about it because I mean there are crappy Barisa actors as well you know as good ones yeah I I think that I would feel the same way because they would make it great because I think that we have a lot of good actors and an actor that could really give the right atmosphere to Lolita Lobosco. I think that it will, it will be wonderful. And I'm not saying this, you know, just like because I, I'm involved. But, but television is a dying media. And I feel that Rye and Italian television is geared to senior citizens. I think Rye just was very lazy in their production. I think they, they are very formulaic. Yeah. Um, I don't think that they produce great work when they try. No, not at all. And I think they didn't try either. So I, I just think they did some lazy production of, uh, you know, oh, let's do some, some South thing. And we ended up with this. Yeah, you know, Rye usually is watched by... Um, old people or you know 50 60 anni but young people usually don't watch uh, rye fiction we are more into netflix <laughs> i don't know if this is a good thing because you know that that is the capitalism the homologization for <laughs> but that is the truth and it's interesting to see right rye has the unchallenged position as the national broadcaster much like the bbc in the UK, you know, for years it was a an arm, at least casually, of the government, and you could see the influence that whoever the governing party was had on Rye. Obviously, Berlusconi, amongst the many endeavors of his very unique life, really disrupts that monopoly with his media empire that provides a first alternative uh, in the 90s, I guess, really. But you know, like Federica says, right now. We young Italians watch Netflix, like young people all over the world. And, you know, it's no coincidence that Netflix made a significant investment in doing productions in Italy and having a portfolio of Italian programming. And, you know, so far it's been, I think, kind of a mixed bag. I think people have liked some of the stuff here in the United States that they've produced. Uh, I don't know how much of it has been rebroadcast here versus the Netflix Italy, but it begs the question of, you know, Italy is known around the world, whether it's gone through peaks and, and valleys, we can discuss, but it's known around the world for its cinematic production, for what it does, particularly in film, which nowadays uh, film and television are closer than ever in how their productions go. So I guess the question is, as a young Italian actress, as a young Southern Italian actress, how do you feel the future looks for not just the quality of production coming out of Italy, but for the representation in those productions of Italians and uh, Italians of different backgrounds? You know, I'm so glad that Netflix came to Italy because I think that um, that could be a good opportunity for young actors, but also artists in general. Because I think that um, the media set and the right channel that are um, the most important channels when it comes to Italian television are, are not so open and are very involved in political matters. And this sometimes make it hard for some people to just, you know, play the game. So the fact that a company as Netflix come to Italy, maybe it could be a good opportunity because the production are free, I think, from, you know, the Italian politics. <laughs> so 
I think that it could be a good thing. But um, how, how does I say in the past, we had a wonderful TV show that represents perfectly Barese and is the only one Tokietata il polpo. That is the top for me. If we're talking about Pugliese TV show. I don't think I have seen that. Tokietata, it's a masterpiece. Yeah, of course, it's a very old show, but it's so modern. You have to see it. I will link you. Okay. <laughs> you know, the products that we get here in the United States through all of these streaming platforms or mm -hmm. different modes of distribution that sort of get some steam here uh, in the past couple of years. I know Gamora is one of them mm -hmm. that everybody, you know, in the U.S. talks about and watches. And obviously that's a show that does a lot of its production in the Neapolitan language. Yeah. What direction is this trend going in? Are you seeing more productions that focus on local languages? And is it a new trend or has this existed forever? In this very moment, I don't see a product that um, has treated right the dialect just like Gomorra has done. You know, Gomorra is famous, of course, for the, the theme of mafia and so on. But it has a very important aspect that is the respect of dialect. What you hear in Gomorra is the true Napoletano is the way people live in some areas of Naples. They got actors from Naples. That's the difference. Yeah, exactly. So that is a good work. And I hope that someday they will do the same for Barry. <laughs> Maybe not, not, not about mafia. It's not important, the, the theme, but it's important that you give voice to the local people. This is what we want. You know why I go crazy, Federica? I go crazy. because. <laughs> Your language is constantly portrayed. Whenever people speak Bares in Italian media, they're always portrayed like idiots. And I go crazy. Because, yes, I don't understand three words of Bares. It's not an easy language to understand, but it's a beautiful language. It is an absolutely beautiful language. There is so much history written in the Bares language. You know, sure, it's, it's fine to make a few jokes. But what's happening is, what is the message that sends children? If you speak Bares, you're going to sound like an idiot. Yeah. And that's why I go crazy. That's why I go Federica through the roof. Yeah, I mean, I, that's exactly why I thought it was important for us to have this conversation because like she's talking about it from an Italian's point of view, but I could go on and on about this. Like nobody's been more poorly represented in my opinion than Italian Americans in media, in films, you know? Everyone kind of just equates us with the glamour mafia. I could easily say, well, no one makes a movie about the hardworking Italian American kid who, you know, uh, sweeps floors through high school to pay for medical school and stuff and becomes a doctor. Nobody makes that movie. And if they did make that movie, they wouldn't cast Italian Americans in that movie. Yeah. Let me ask another question, Federica. Yeah. Obviously on our show, we talk a lot about the South, but I want to talk a little bit about stereotypes and regional stereotypes throughout Italian media, like the portrayal of different kinds of Italians within the ecosystem of Italian media, how the media there produces images and stereotypes of people from all over Italy. I think back to movies like Benvenuti al Sud, Welcome to the South, which had a sequel, Benvenuti al Nord, Welcome to the North, 
And, you know, each of them played on very common Italian stereotypes. So when in the first one, a northerner is accidentally relocated to the south and he can't believe the confusion and the uh, Dolce Farniente take on life. And then in the sequel, a southerner goes up north and has to deal with the smog and the people who are closed off and fearful. What are the sort of stock stereotypes? Is it every region of Italy that gets stereotyped in the media? I think that South Italy is one of the most stereotyped culture ever, not just in, uh, on a national level. Yeah. I think Italian American culture is even more stereotyped than right. Southern right. Italy yeah. because right. Italian American right. culture is the, all the stereotypes of Southern Italy, but we're also dumb Americans. So, but yeah, I just had to oh, say that. That's absolutely brilliant. Correct, correct, correct. Yeah, and I have a question for you because, uh, of course, I'm talking about from an Italian point of view. But for you, that that has grown as you know, Italian Americans. Do you have some sort of perception of stereotypes from Italians? You know what I mean? Oh, of course. They're horrible. Yeah. Have you listened to the show? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we get stereotyped. I think in Italy a lot, and I think back to the Italian adaption of The Nanny, which was a really popular American sitcom that ran many, many years. La Tata. Yeah, and in Italy was known as La Tata, and they redubbed, as Italians love to redub uh, American products. And in the American version, obviously, The Nanny is played by Fran Drescher. She represents a Jewish American from Queens, New York, who goes to the Upper East Side and ends up working for this rich, waspy family and brings all of the sort of comedy and stereotype of her Jewish-American upbringing. But obviously it's done very lovingly because she's the creator and she's the creative engine behind it. Uh, in the Italian version, La Tata, the nanny is dubbed over and represented as a, uh, I guess she's from Frosinone, Lazio, but really, you know, a Southerner uh, from Italian America going to work for a wealthy family and all of those stereotypes that come with it. So it's interesting to see the sort of outsider status that fits in the United States for a Jewish American into a white Anglo-Saxon family. When it gets mixed up and translated in Italy, the choice is to make it a Southerner going to live with a family of, of resources and means. So I think, you know, the Southerness of the Italian American community might be the big driver in a lot of the stereotypes that exist in Italy representing Italian America. But Federica, you, you tell us, how do you feel the Italian media portrays Italian America? I think that in some way, it's like you are extra Italian. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, it's like you are an Italian, so much Italian, sometimes more Italian than Italians um, themselves. They did a study on Italian television program. And this was about 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. And Italian Americans are always portrayed in a negative way. I, I wish I had kept it. It was like off the chart, almost in a comical, like um, a gaffona type of way. But see, my argument, Federica, is Italy has one cancer. It is a class-based system run by a ruling elite. And their mentality affects every aspect of the country. Mm -hmm. And because they are very proud that they are educated and they don't speak a local language, they mock the people who do. And I don't know if you see that because you live there, but as an American looking over, every aspect of Italian society, the class system comes through. Yeah, 
you're right, Patrick. And this is not something, like you said, that is just about, you know, um, South Italy in media and so on. It's like politicamente corretto that we have here in Italy, but I think also in the US. And that also referred to dialect because Patrick is right when, when he says that uh, we have the, um, the perception that if we talk in dialect, uh, sometimes we are not well educated. But I can also say that something is changing because starting from the theater in the last years, we fortunately have uh, a revaluation of the dialect. And this is a thing that also uh, pushes us to speak loud when, when it comes to Lolita Lobosco. A lot of actors was against the, the fiction, not, not because um, that was dialect, but because that was uh, the wrong dialect. And I think that this is the proof that we are taking back our identity also as a community. So Patrick is right, but I think that we need to talk more about this because if, if we don't protect our identity, nobody else will do for us. Federica, there's a big movement in the Veneto right now. The region has voted in a referendum to classify the Venetian language as a bilingual aspect of their culture so that they can do official documents and things in Venetian and preserve the language and teach it in schools. Do you see any of the same stereotyping and scorn for northern regional languages? I mean, is Venetian, does it appear in um, fictional media, does as a representations of it, is it treated the same as let's say Barres would be or Sicilian would be? Is it outside of Veneto in the consciousness of Italy? No, I think that we must notice a, a fact. Venezia, uh, just like also Naples and Rome or Milan, they have also um, a very long story has uh, a, the a theater and the language that is also legitimated by the theater and the play that from century they they represent on theater also give a great um, a great importance to the language this has not happened in the Bari, so i think that is not the same thing because the relationship that those languages have with historic theater is perceived as a richer one yeah i think so and um, barry has a tradition uh, about uh, theater. Uh, for example, Yark Vash is a, a very old and important play, but it is not as ancient uh, as, uh, for example, Teatro di Napoli or Teatro Venezia. And language and play and art is very related. I want to talk a little bit about the theater company that you're involved in and the, the man who, who runs a theater company, Johnny Kolayama, uh, who you work very closely with, because what I found to be so refreshing about Johnny Kolayama is that he is unapologetically Pugliese. Yeah. Like 360 degrees. He's like, I'm a little chubby. I'm a little rough around the edges. I don't care if you think I'm an idiot because he's clearly not he's he's actually in my opinion he's a brilliant artist yeah he writes all the plays himself he stars in them he directs them and i think he's uh, a cultural icon uh if you will i mean he could have been in lolita labosco 
Yeah, of course, he, but also a, a lot of more actors. And that is the question. We have so many talented people here. Why do we have to call one from Milan or Rome or Venezia if we have a lot of good actors here? That is the question. Federica, so do you see this as maybe an opportunity to get inspired to create some sort of content that does represent Baresi in a way that, that pleases you, that makes you proud? Because, I mean, in my experience, when people don't open a door for you, you have to break a hole into the wall. Yeah. Uh, you know what? Um, I don't want to represent the Barese in a good or in a bad way. I just want to represent the truth because, you know, just like any place in the world has positive and negative things, but it, it was make us beautiful. It's like a, a person. A person is not perfect, but it's unique in the world. And that is their importance. And that is also for the city. I think what Roselle is asking you is, does maybe seeing portrayals that you don't appreciate inspire you to create your own content? Um, yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, of course, because uh, usually I'm, I'm not a person that speaks just about, you know, one, um, one, one singular uh, issue. Uh, I have also an Instagram account and I use it for, you know, just talk about art and books and so on. But yeah, sometimes uh, when I see a, a, a female, just like, you know, Lolita Lobosco, of course, I, 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 I thought a lot about, you know, this issue. So I, I think that more about, you know, creating content, I, I just want to make questions to myself. And that, that is the, the crucial thing, I think. You know, it's one thing I want to say. The south of Italy made a big mistake in the late 90s because the mid to late 90s, um, like Valencia, Spain, started real regional television programming in their language. And now I think Valencia has three television stations in Valencia, which is kind of a dialect of actual Catalan. Mm -hmm. And it's taken off. So like when they do Las Fallas, which is absolutely actually celebrated on Friday in Valencia, all the commentary is done in Valencia. And I think the south of Italy being the south of Italy, had they gotten real quality local – I mean, Sicily could support their own TV station. But had they had real strong regional television stations, I think some of this could have been evaded. But again, this Italy misses the bus. But Federico, let me ask you a question. Why does Italy, the South in particular, no longer produce geniuses like Toto? What went wrong that we no longer produce that quality of, of theatrical genius? You know, I think that this is a generational problem. Uh, what I see is that, you know, people of my age, but also younger, uh, sometimes has become a little bit, you know, lazy when it comes to creativity and also um, a certain um, proud of, you know, identity. So it, everything is so homologated and this is kills the creativity. This is my opinion. You know, that's a point that I wanted to actually ask you, you know, coming off of Pat's comment around when in the 90s certain regions in Europe started to develop their own TV networks and their own languages and things like that. And, and obviously it didn't happen in Italy. How do you see 
the treatment of local identity and particularly local language in the younger generations of Italians? And do you think that there is room in the future for more content produced accurately representing local identity and language? Because, you know, as Pat always points out, we see from our perspective through, you know, Facebook groups and things like that, a lot more activity than ever in local languages, writing in Neapolitan, writing in Sicilian. You know, some of these languages, they have multiple variants. So there's different Sicilian dialects all over Sicily within the language of Sicilian and different dialects of Neapolitan and Campania and in parts of Calabria and things like that. So we're seeing them codify naturally through people using them to write and explaining how they spell one thing versus another and things like that. Do you think there's a strong future for local identity, local language, and then eventually localized content in Italy? That is a very good question. And I think that it's quite unpredictable because, you know, COVID situation, I think that it will make also its part with that. Because we we have, we starting from a world when we were, you know, just traveling the world, just feeling so connected, and sometimes also, you know, don't care too much uh, for our roots. And in some kind of way, we are now, you know, obliged to um, stay home and live so much more our roots. So I really don't know if this will lead to a more awareness of our identity, because if you watch, you know, uh, on social media, uh, we have a lot of community that are pointing out their real identity, their real culture. And I don't think that this is a, a coincidence because in many parts of the world, we are seeing that people are just, you know, say, okay, I am this, I'm not longer hide or feel ashamed for my roots, for my, cultural experience. So I think that this could be also a stimulating, you know, starting. I don't know if you understand what yeah. what I mean. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's an interesting point, And it's one that I've noticed throughout the whole COVID crisis, which is, you know, my generalized opinion of younger Italians, my age, our generation, and, and lower, um, you know, in the past 20 years, Italy has changed dramatically yeah. from the decreasing birth rate to the expansion of people who speak English to the internationalization of Italy in terms of, you know, again, if you go back 20 years ago to the year 2000, I don't think anybody would have expected the rate of emigration to boom as it has. Italians, you know, going abroad, looking for work, particularly young people. We've seen a whole second Italian immigration uh, around the world really unparalleled since that major wave in the 1870s to the 1920s that brought our people here. So you, you had this very deep sense of globalism, mm-hmm. the Italian identity. And it was, you know, I think combined with the real rise of centralized governance in a lot of ways out of Brussels and the EU. And now you have a country that, I mean, look, e- even now, right, the rates are going up as we speak and lockdown continues and people have made the decision to go back to hometowns that they haven't lived in for many years because they've lived in northern cities or in European cities. And I think from a lot of the people that we've spoken to, there's this sense that, hey, you know, in this new post-COVID world where people do things remotely, you can perhaps stay and live in these places and work remotely for companies that are not located there. Maybe there is a chance 
for a reexamination of local identity, local economy, local viability, really. Yeah. Are you getting that sense that people are not necessarily rushing back to, you know, cities like Milan or maybe even London and places like that? Yeah, that is the point. I think that this could be uh, an opportunity also to reshape our identity and give uh, a second chance also to our nation. Um, I, I don't know how, how you're living there spiritually in the USA, but in Italy it's like um, we have the chance to remember that we are a community. So I hope that this will bring new opportunity in terms of work and professional and art, but also, you know, uh, from um, a spiritual, you know, point of, point of view. This is my question, Federica. Now we see in yeah. the news that, um, you know, numbers are up in Italy. Lots of parts of Italy are going into a red zone again. Yeah. Give us a little bit of what's on the ground now in Italy, a year after lockdown, how people are feeling. We are mentally destroyed. And you know what? I think that COVID has revealed all the things that uh, didn't work also in the past in Italy. It was just like a Pandora, Pandora. And uh, it, it's hard. It's hard because uh, there are a lot of things just like hospital just Today, uh, we, we were saying that uh, we are not able to go to the hospital anymore, at least we are dying. <laughs> and that, that is not a good thing. Uh, yeah. the, the system is just collapsed and that is not the fault of COVID. That is the fault of uh, years uh, and years where you know the system didn't work, but people is mentally exhausted because this situation has been dramatic we were one of the first country to go to lockdown and we are still here so mentally it's very hard to you know to stay positive well i can tell you from uh from the italian american community from your cousins over here across the atlantic we hope that you hold on and stay strong and stay positive and i know I speak for all of us when I say we can't wait for the day that we can come back to Italy, not just as as visitors and as Italian Americans, but so we can make contributions to its recovery as well, because it, it means a great deal to all of us. And I think going through this and being in lockdown ourselves and not being able to return, it makes you value how much Italy means in our life. So from all of us, we're, we're, we're certainly hoping that uh, you and the rest of our friends and family in Italy stay strong. So yeah, really appreciate having you here, Federica. It's been a great conversation, and uh, we hope we get you back at some point. Thank you so much. Pat, you always bother me to say stuff in Molise. Why don't you bother Federica to say something in bodies? Yeah, yeah, that's a great point. Wow. So give us a goodbye. That's like your national motto. <laughs> yeah. What do you say, father? What? In a country that is body. <laughs> Bro, you want to translate that for everybody? It means if we're going to go, let's go. If we're not going to go, let's not go. And in Moles, it's Chinamashishmana and Chinamashinansamashen. Do you guys see the <laughs> distinction? Say it again. Chinamashishmana and Chinamashinansamashen. Yeah, there is. All right, Federica, you go. 
See, the inflections are different. Yeah, they are. Yeah. Wow. Where did that come from? <laughs> I mean, I know her, but we We're gotta make sure. up. There had to be some Martian. If you want to think that Martians have landed on Earth, they had to be Bade. I'll <laughs> listen. I got a great Bade story, then we could close out. I know a woman in Hoboken from Kajano, and her husband came to America first. And when he sent for her, this is, let's say, the late 1960s, early 1970s, she was a seamstress in Italy, and he told her, don't worry, when you come to America, I got you a nice job in an Italian factory and you're going to be working with all Italian people. So she comes to America, they get married, he brings her to work in the factory, in Hoboken, a coal factory. And he goes to pick her up after her first day of work and she comes out as a young bride crying. And he goes, why are you crying? She goes, what did you do to me? He goes, what happened? She goes, there's no Italian people in there. I think they're Croatians. I don't know where they're from. They were all Mofetate. <laughs> That's a true story I heard from the horse's mouth. As we always say here, each of these regional languages has an amazing and unique history and identity. And uh, thank you for keeping it alive, Federica, and encouraging the accurate and respectful representation of a beautiful language that is Parese. So from all of us at the Italian American Podcast, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. We can't afford sound effects.